I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Good afternoon. It's 206. I'm your host, Greg Scordis, filling in today for Boyd Matheson on Inside Sources. We are waiting uh, for some news from the president. He's uh, expected to speak at a at a couple of colleges today, Clark Atlanta University and Morehouse College in Atlanta. And it seems to be that he's going to make some comments about how to pressure our lawmakers to pass some legislation, including voting rights legislation. When that occurs and when he's speaking, we may break away. But in the meantime, I am uh, privy to a recent poll from the Trafalgar Group, not to be confused with the uh, amusement park in Utah County, I guess, um, which found as follows. 80% of Americans, 76.8% actually, uh, surveyed say they believe American culture and society is in a state of decay. That's over three-quarters of Americans who believe that our society and culture are in a state of decay. Only 9.8%, less than 10% of the people that were surveyed, said the country's society and culture are in a state of progress. In other words, three-quarters think it's bad. One in ten say, well, we're we're progressing. Um, interestingly, 61% of Democrats believe American society is in a state of decay. 86% of Republicans believe that, and and that those, those numbers probably change every four years or eight years when, when a new uh, administration is in the White House. Uh, 81% of independents agree that uh, society is in a state of decay, and and uh, when they looked at these uh, stats and these these uh, these questions as it related to age, um, race, or gender. Uh, really, the the study found that that didn't seem to make a big difference. Uh, it was more divided along political lines, and really, 66% of of virtually every group found or uh, believed that American society and culture is in a state of decay. And so, you look at what's happened and where we are in this country, and 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 let's let's talk about some of the issues. Let's talk about some of the things that people have said really show this. Um, I hate to use the word, but that's what the quote was, a state of decay. I mean, it's not that bad, folks. Um, we have the pandemic that's been going on now for almost exactly two years. And I think a lot of people were 
we're optimistic, thinking, well, by two years we'll be out of it. But a lot of scientists and doctors thought two years would be a world record. I mean, we would we would in no way, uh, based on history, ever be out of a pandemic in that period of time. But if you recall, the vaccine came out fairly quickly. I think it was well within a year. Um, and, and in our country, especially, and in some of the more modernized European countries and, and some others, where uh, medical advances were quite advanced, um, people were coming up with a vaccine. People were coming up with a way to prevent this. And and the problem seems to be not so much that um, you know we don't we don't know what we're doing, but a lot of people just aren't taking advantage of it, right or wrong. And I'm not making comment on people who ch- who choose not to get the vaccine, uh, but it's there. It's available, and it's uh, it's proven by almost every medical professional in the country to be effective. I mean, masks. As simple as a mask, a little piece of paper over your mouth has proved to be effective. So when we talk about, oh, you know, that the, the things are going bad, we've got this disease and it's taking over, and certainly the numbers are horrible. They're just absolutely horrible right now, uh, especially with the new Omicron uh, variant, which is sort of off the charts. I mean, we're setting a new record every single day. But the good news is that there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel if people will just uh, follow that light. Um, We saw in this country uh, just a year or so ago numerous um, uh, protests. My office right here downtown literally was... was, uh, was, uh, victimized by some of those protesters, and and we saw... uh, people in the streets. Uh, we saw cars uh, burning in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we saw people uh, rioting in Salt Lake City, Utah. We saw the entire, um, it seemed like the entire Utah Highway Patrol standing in front of the state capitol. And people are saying, well, my word, you know, uh, police reform needs to be looked at. Uh, we need to consider uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, there were things going on in this country that really were uh, problematic, or at least look to be problematic, but but really, if you look at it, and and uh, some of our great uh, thinkers over the years have have opined also that peaceful protest, and I'm not, I didn't just describe peaceful protest, by the way, but but protest sometimes has has a purpose and sometimes has an effect. Um, sometimes we've seen that these protests actually uh, create some some good, and. Um, it certainly gets people's attention. It certainly lets us know uh, where we are and, and what we're doing. And we've seen, uh, when when I hosted this show the other day, we talked about some of the bigger cases, um, because as some of you know, I'm an attorney and sort of interested in some of the big lawsuits and cases over the last year. But uh, there were two cases involving uh, police misconduct um, and two cases involving uh, uh, situations where uh, police officers actually caused the death of an individual. And back in the day, uh, people thought, well, the police officers are, are immune. And there's this um, blue line nobody crosses, and police officers won't testify against each other, and jurors will never convict police officers. But in fact, in those two cases, and of course I'm talking about the George Floyd case and, and the woman from uh, Minnesota who believed she was tasing a suspect and in fact shot and killed him, where jurors looked at that and said, you know, I, I we we know you had the police badge on. We know you had the 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 police hat and, and uniform on, uh, but those that conduct crossed the line. Um, you know, I think a lot of us in the criminal justice system, uh, prosecutors, uh, defense attorneys, and law enforcement officers found some good in that. 
Um, it wasn't a sign of decay in our society. It wasn't a sign that uh, the sky is falling, but really a sign that, hey, let's take a look at some things right now and decide how we're going to fix them. Uh, in response to these uh, school shootings, I mean, they're horrible, and we hear about one every month, and, and you often hear people say, that's another sign of decay in our society, and it certainly is a sign of problems in the society, uh, but we're addressing that as well. I mean, uh, schools now have um, uh, policies about uh, guns in school, and some teachers are, in fact, being educated about the safety considerations, about gun ownership and that type of thing. And we have law enforcement officers who are who are uh, attending schools and, and as law enforcement officers, of course, and and guiding our students and making sure that they're safe. But I mean, I think we've reacted to these things really, really well, and I don't think it's a sign of decay. I think it's a sign of change a sign that things are, are moving in a way that maybe a lot of people are uncomfortable and a lot of us who are older don't like change, uh, but it's coming down the tracks and it's, and it's, and by and large, we've done pretty well with it. Um, I think we're going to see our legislature here in Utah uh, address some other issues. A couple of the cases we saw last year involved uh, the issue of what we call self-defense, where we had uh, individuals who were, who, uh, uh, shot and killed the Kyle Rittenhouse case or, or the, the other the folks from the uh, that shot the black jogger and um, how we define uh, people's use of force. I mean, those are issues that we just didn't address in the past. We just didn't know what to do with in the past. But we are we are we're now addressing that. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.